The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. I want to bring us God's word from um, Acts chapter 6, from verse 1 up to 8. Acts chapter 6, from verse 1 up to 8. And I want to say, I'm not really going to preach, but I just want to bring a sharing to all of us from this passage. And I want us to look at um, continuous prayer. I'm calling it continuous prayer that brings about the multiplication of disciples. That's what I want us to see from this passage. Uh, continuous or continuing prayers that bring multiplication. And I hope I'll be able to share a few stories from my own experience concerning prayer. But let's read the scriptures first, please. Um, Now, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business." But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the, whole, uh, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, uh, Prochorus, um, and all those names there. <laughs> they are not Kenyan names, so. <laughs> okay. Uh, whom they said before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then um, the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Amen. 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 Now, they did something. This is the story of the um, early church, the beginnings, actually, of the church in the book of Acts. And they were experiencing growth. And immediately we see three ministries that were dominating the church at that time. The first one is the ministry of prayer. The second one is the ministry of the word. But there is a third one that was beginning to come in at this point in the life of the church. And it is just called serving tables. Uh, In another place, it's also called business. And that is the business aspect of the church, the organizing aspect of the church, um, projects in the church, and helping uh, the widows, uh, feeding program for the widows. So these three ministries um, are already in the church. 
And even as we are talking today, these three ministries are ever in every congregation. Prayer, the word, and serving tables, or the business aspects of the church. But there's something that Peter is talking about here that I want us to look at. When the people came to him as the lead apostle, they were complaining because they wanted Peter to do something about the serving tables ministry. There was a problem coming from there. And uh, so they wanted him to do something about it. But it is Peter's answer that is important for us this morning. He says, we cannot, we cannot stop the ministry of prayer and the word and go to the ministry of serving tables. We cannot. And so the first thing I want to say that Peter clearly defends the ministry of prayer. He is defending the ministry of prayer. He's kind of saying the ministry of prayer must remain a priority in the life of the church. And he says no matter what other ministries we may do, this one ministry must remain a priority, the ministry of prayer. And so he says, we must organize ourselves in such a way that will make sure prayer remains not just important, but a priority in the life of the church. And so they come up with a, a way to find people that can take care of serving tables so that he himself, together with the other apostles, can give themselves continually. The word there is continually without stopping to the ministry of prayer and that of the word. Now, let me say a few things based on that. That the first thing we see is that there is need for us to protect the priority of prayer in our own lives as Christians, but also in the life of the local church. There is need to protect its priority. Why? Many times when we have many other things we are doing, and it's true we have many things we do individually, our jobs, our families, and many other activities. Also the church has many things, many programs. Many times it is prayer that is sacrificed. It is prayer time that is always sacrificed. And so Peter says, no, we won't go that way. Prayer must remain such an important uh, priority for us. Now, why did he do this? Off to my first point. They learned from Jesus' example that we should also, uh, we should always give priority to prayer in our lives and also in the life of the church. They learned from the ministry of Jesus Christ himself. Quickly, let me give you a few scriptures here just to show what was going on in the ministry of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came to be baptized in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, Luke 3, 21, the Bible says as he came out of the water, he began to pray. 
That was very early in his life, but he begins to pray. And the heavens are opened, and the Spirit comes down. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 12, we read again, Jesus goes to a mountain somewhere to pray. Now remember, the disciples, Peter and the others, are watching Jesus. They are looking at his life. When you read Luke chapter 11, verse 1, they have watched him enough to now ask him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because they have discovered there's something about the ministry of Jesus and the priority of prayer. So they have observed him. When they get to chapter 11, they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Now, you'll agree with me, this is the only thing recorded in Scripture the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them. Specifically, they never asked him, Lord, teach us to preach, teach us to cast out devils, teach us to win souls, never. The only thing they ever, it's recorded, they asked him specifically, is Lord, teach us to pray. Why they had observed the priority of prayer in the ministry of Jesus and they had come to the conclusion for Jesus, his means of fulfilling God's will over his life was prayer. That was the principal means. When you get to Luke chapter 22, verse 39, Luke 22, verse 39, we see the weakness which we all experience. Jesus tells the disciples, pray with me. But we all know they slept he comes, wakes them up, and they sleep again. The third time he says, okay, you can sleep. But we know there wasn't much time to sleep. <laughs> the enemy was already there. <laughs> How many of you have discovered that even when you don't feel like sleeping, if you think about praying, sleep comes? <laughs> For some strange reason, you are not sleepy, but you choose you want to pray, you already begin to feel you want to sleep. That was the situation for them. And can you imagine they were overcome by sorrow and the heaviness of heart, and they were not the ones who were going to be crucified. <laughs> it is Christ. But they couldn't pray. But he tells them, pray. And Jesus himself still went and prayed. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, Jesus goes alone very early in the morning before they woke up. He goes to pray. And so it's clear that they had observed in the life of Jesus Christ that prayer was such a priority. And it's clear Jesus was not really bothering them. Jesus would go and pray and allow them to watch <laughs> and observe. He was not really forcing them to do it. But he wanted them to get this, that prayer is such an important priority in his own life. Did they get it? Yes. In Acts chapter 1 verse 12, we now read Jesus is already ascended back to heaven. And what are they doing? They are now praying. We don't see them praying a lot when they were with Jesus. But as soon as Jesus was uh, taken from them, it's clear they had observed enough to learn the priority of prayer.
So they learned in Acts chapter 1, verse 12 to 14, the Bible says, and they continued in prayer. I love that part. They continued in prayer. They were not going to do it for one day or two days, but they were going to do it continually. When it's difficult, when they feel like sleeping, when they feel like doing it, when they feel like they don't want to do it, they were going to pray. And they gave themselves to prayer continually. Why? I think it had become very clear to them that there is no alternative to prayer. And I want to say to this day, there is no alternative to prayer. Nothing can take the place of prayer. No ministry in the church can and should take the place of prayer. And so they um, had known there is no alternative to prayer. We thank God that nowadays we have uh, uh, more money probably than they used to have those days. We have better technology. We have better buildings, facilities. But you'll agree with me, even with all those things, nothing can bring souls to Jesus without prayer. Yeah. At least I've read a lot of stories about the moves of God in England. The revivals that have happened here. But I'm also reading other news nowadays. The churches are becoming empty. It's not that we lack buildings. It's not the lack of facilities. It's not the lack of money. It's not the lack of buildings. The question is, is prayer still a priority to us as Christians and to the church in England? There is no alternative to prayer. And they can never be. Nothing can take its place. The problem with sinners is they are dead spiritually, according to the Bible. So what they need is life. And life can only come from the Holy Spirit. Life can only come from God. The problem is not money. The problem is not buildings. The problem is not facilities. The problem is life. They are dead. And unless the Lord gives them life, they have no life. Now, I think those examples are enough to show the disciples learned it from the life of Jesus that for Jesus, prayer was such a great priority and that nothing and absolutely nothing takes the place of prayer. Uh, but there's a second thing that we see them do. They organized the church in such a way that prayer remained a priority. And I think this is where things begin to get practical. That on the one hand, we may know prayer should be a priority. Prayer is important and we need it. But are we willing to go that extra mile and organize ourselves, organize our lives, organize the church to reflect that priority? Because we see that's what they did. Peter says, no, we cannot uh, leave the ministry of prayer and the word and go to serve tables. And so he goes the extra mile to organize, to make sure prayer shall be, shall remain a priority. Our lives... As Christians, it's one thing to know prayer is important and prayer is good. But are we willing to really organize our lives 
in such a way that the priority of prayer is maintained in our lives. I've discovered many times when I choose, I'll be praying early in the mornings before I go to work. After one month, something else has come up that requires that same time. I don't know about you. And so many times I have a decision to make to either sacrifice that time or organize myself to make sure that time is protected. Sometimes I decide I'll be praying during the day, lunchtime, during the lunch hour break. Uh, for many years, that was my prayer time because I knew that's my time. It's my me time. I'm in lunch. So I would set aside lunch and just go and pray. But before long, something will come up that demands that time as well. And sometimes I'll decide I'll be praying at night. Now that's very difficult when you're tired. But again, something still comes up that wants that time. We must deliberately choose to organize our lives to make sure prayer remains a priority. The same with the church, to organize the church in such a way that prayer remains such a priority. Back in our country, we got concerned in the town that I'm in we looked at a few things that were not going according to the word of God. Um, in families, in homes, we'd read stories in the news, um, and, and we discovered there are things that are happening that are not according to God's word. And we asked ourselves, can we do something about this? And I remember we were just uh, nine people, and we said, yes, we can do something about this. So we came up and organized ourselves such that, such that we'll be meeting every one Thursday in a month, the last Thursday of every month. And we said we'll be spending time to pray at least um, for two hours together. We consult, read scriptures, and pray. But then before we started, we said, let's be sure that this will be challenged. Some things will come up that will demand that Thursday that we have picked for ourselves. What will we do? And we say to one another, we will try to remain very faithful to this. And by God's grace, we've done that for the last seven years. The last seven years, we've been meeting every last Thursday to pray. Now we said, let's also invite others who may also want to pray. But we'd say to one another, we are not organizing the meeting for people. We are organizing it for ourselves. But we are inviting others to come join us. If they come, well and good. If they don't come, that's okay. We'll still pray. We're not doing it because of people. But we were surprised the first meeting after sending out invitations, the first meeting, we thought it would be nine of us. We were 50. And we discovered there are many people out there who still have a desire to pray. The challenge is to be organized to pray and to be deliberate about organizing our lives, our busy schedules, to see to it that the priority of prayer is maintained. But there is a third thing that um, 
they did. So they learned from Jesus, example, and I'm saying this morning we should also learn from his example, but we have more than Jesus' example, we have the example of the apostles themselves, and we have the example of history. I think uh, England is a land that is rich in history, especially of revivals, and how God moved when people restored the priority of prayer in their lives and in the life of the church. Uh, the second thing we've said is that they organized the church in such a way that prayer remained a priority. Now, the third thing is that they communicated clearly. They communicated clearly that prayer is a priority. They talked about it openly. They said it openly. And they said it cannot be replaced and it can never be vacated for whatever reasons. I mean, Peter was emphatic. He was emphatic. He didn't leave any room for any doubt. It's like this matter is beyond discussion. It's like that's what he was saying. This is a matter that is beyond discussion. The word is, we cannot. He begins there. We cannot. We cannot leave the ministry of prayer and the word and come to serve tables. So they communicated clearly that prayer is a priority. They did not leave any room for any doubt as to the importance and the priority of prayer in the life of the church. Can we communicate the same? Can we communicate, especially when we are doing it as a family, praying together as a family? Um, I've discovered, unless that is communicated clearly, the television can always um, come first. And I know England is football country. <laughs> yeah, so, unless that is communicated very clearly, there will always be excuses why I cannot do it. Always. Uh, there is this, there is that, there is this. And have you discovered we always have very good excuses why we can't pray? Um, very good excuses. I don't want to give some of the ones I've had, but they're very good excuses, uh, including sometimes somebody saying, um, I just felt tired. I mean, just that. Then you chose not to pray. Anyway, there are many reasons, but we can communicate clearly to our families that prayer is a priority in this home. Prayer is a, a priority in my life as a Christian. Um, and when it's time for prayer, I will still excuse myself and go and pray. If we have set aside a certain time for prayer, I'll still excuse myself and go and pray. And when we get to the prayer meeting, let's pray. I've discovered you have not prayed until you have prayed. Um, sometimes we've organized prayer meetings back at home, I don't know, here. And then when you come in the meeting, instead of beginning to pray, you start chatting. And you talk and talk. If the prayer time was one hour, you talk for 45 minutes. And then you say, by the way, we came to pray. And then you conclude. You say, can we do a concluding prayer? <laughs> and especially if the leader is the one who is coming in late, 
the rest of us will chat until the leader arrives. So we come in and we begin talking to one another and, and then somebody will say, and the leader is late today. And we say, yeah, yeah, he's late. Let's, let's wait for him. And we continue chatting and chatting. But then we discovered it should be communicated that prayer is such a priority. If we have set aside a time for prayer, uh, when we get to the place of prayer, we simply begin to pray. We simply begin to pray. If it's one hour, we don't want to steal from it. We pray for that one hour. Amen. We pray for that one hour. Let me begin to conclude by talking about the results of prayer. There are many results, but for this service, I wanted to mention the multiplication of disciples because that is very close to the Lord's heart. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. We have a great commission to fulfill and to see people give their lives to Jesus and their lives transformed, that is something that nobody can ever do by himself. Only the Lord can do that. And so one of the greatest results we see in the prayers of the church is that the Bible says, and the number of disciples was multiplied in those days. Why were people giving their lives to Jesus in large numbers in their days? It's easy to see the connection between the priority of prayer, the release of God's presence, and people getting convicted to give their lives to Jesus. I can give a few examples here. I read the story of the Welsh revival that took place in Wales. And they said after two years of the revival, 500,000 souls had come to Christ. Two years, 500,000 souls. And there's that thing about whenever there is a revival, there is a harvest of souls. There's a multiplication of disciples. Not only in the early church, but also in the present day. I think we've heard stories from Korea that most of the big churches in the world today are to be found in Korea, including churches that were not even started in Korea. Presbyterian church, I mean, I think the largest congregation is in Korea. Assemblies of God, I think the largest congregation is in South Korea. Um, and many others. The question is, how is it that they are able to bring so many people to Christ and even where these churches started, it's no longer happening. We all know the Korean church is known as a praying church. Pray is such a priority to that church and the believers there. Somebody once testified his first time to visit South Korea. He wanted to visit the prayer mountains that he's been hearing about. And at the bus stop, as he was waiting to catch a bus to the place, there was another person who was waiting to catch the same bus. So they began a conversation. And um, this friend was coming from South Africa and he wanted to go and uh, experience the prayer mountains. This is what this Korean uh, lady told him. That you know, 
I've just filled out leave from work because I want to go and spend 30 days in the prayer mountain. And I said, what? Taking a leave from work? We take a leave when we want to go for holiday, right? And when we want to go visit friends, but to pray? And that began to give him a picture of people who have made prayer such a priority that they can even feel leave from work in order to go and spend time in a place to pray. We have heard also stories of many other countries where people are giving their lives to Christ. Let me give two personal examples, then I'm done. I gave my life to Christ as a student, and we were invited to go and preach in a certain school. Well, I was so timid. I didn't know how to preach or even what to tell the people. So, of course, I prayed, and I prayed a lot. Not really because I had the burden, but because I was also afraid. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. So we took time to really pray for that school. And we felt the Lord was really guiding us on how to pray. But it is the result that encouraged me. When we went and preached in that school, I saw so many give their lives to Christ. And I knew it was not because of the preaching, but it was because the Lord was convicting their hearts. The Lord was at work in their hearts. And from that time, I can give stories of, I've seen God do that in a school, I've seen God do that in a village, I've seen God do that in a, in a whole town, and I've seen God do that even at the national level. By God's grace, we are doing some of uh, that in our villages back at home, moving from village to village, from town to town, talking about prayer, calling the church to restore again the priority of prayer and believers to give themselves again to prayer because there is another harvest of souls that needs to come in. There are many that are lost in sin and we cannot bring them in ourselves. There are many who are bound. I mean, they are bound and we cannot by ourselves save them, but there is one who saves. If we can restore again the priority of prayer. And so again, may the Lord strengthen those of us who have been praying. And for those who have been struggling in prayer, may the Lord also encourage you to give yourself to prayer even more. For those who are discouraged, maybe you felt like prayer is not for me. I understand you. May the Lord strengthen you. All of us should give ourselves to prayer. For those who are wondering, you've been talking about praying for one hour. I still remember how there was a time I would pray for three minutes and I will have told the Lord everything I wanted to tell him. Yeah, I was part of a prayer group and we would say we have gone to pray from this time to this time. Um, back at home, we, we pray long hours. So, would say we'll be in prayer from 10 up to around 3 o'clock. And I would say, yes, me too. <laughs> but honestly, after 15 minutes, I have told God everything I wanted to say. 
I have prayed for myself, my family, my nation, and everything. But I would see my friends, they are still praying. And I said, Lord, please teach me how to pray. So I pray for those who are feeling like I'm struggling to pray. Today, may the Lord strengthen you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray. Speak to us individually to restore, to learn from Christ and restore the priority of prayer. Also to organize ourselves to pray and also to communicate clearly that prayer is such a priority. And I pray through the prayers of your people in this church as individual and and also as a congregation. May many come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in Bromley. May many come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in this area and through them visit England again. We ask you, Father, visit England again. You once visited this land with revivals in different places. We ask you again, visit England again with a move of the Holy Spirit that will bring souls to Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. The Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.